It's my privilege to introduce our speaker today, Fuad Mesri. Fuad is a, an author, a lecturer, and I should say a couple of words about his books. He's written a number of books, but two that are available in the Student Center today at the Crescent Project, uh, Project table are Ambassadors to Muslims, Building Bridges to the Gospel, and Connecting with Muslims, A Guide to Communicating Effectively. I uh, encourage you to stop by their table and to learn about the training opportunities. Fouad was born and raised in wartime Beirut. He's, the, uh, the, he's a pastor, the son of a pastor, and his grandfather was a pastor, a third-generation pastor. And you might think it's natural that someone like that would love Muslims. But if you know anything about wartime Beirut, there is an enormous gap between growing up in wartime Beirut as a Christian and loving Muslims. I can't think of a more appropriate time for Fouad to come and talk to us about loving Muslims. And you will hear some of his passion today. He's not going to come this instant. We're going to have the scripture reading, and then we'll have a short video and when Fuad comes, I'll ask you at that time to give him an Indiana Wesleyan University welcome. And now we'll have our scripture reading from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Walakin hinama yahulla ruh al gudus alaykum. Tanel wana al gua watakunnan li shahudin fi urushalim. Wal yahudia kullaha wa fissamriya. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Nyana Wesleyan. Great to be with you this week, talking about being a witness to others. I love this verse, and thank you for reading it in Arabic. It was wonderful to hear that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And what we will do, we will be witnesses. The first sign that someone is filled with the Holy Spirit is he will be a witness. She will be a witness. A witness is someone who experienced something. What I love about this verse, we are not inviting people to join a club. We are not inviting people to join a denomination. We are not inviting people to come and join us in a specific ritual. We are inviting people to follow the Savior Jesus, who said, you will be my witnesses. We are supposed to go tell them what we experience. This is the beauty about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You heard from Faye. Faye was born and raised in America. Muslim Shia parents, and she becomes a believer. And so in Michigan... Uh, we, I was speaking about three months ago, and on my cell phone, there was a text from her. It started, OMG, OMG, OMG. That's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She goes, my sister Fatima just had a dream of Jesus. When I was challenging Muslim, Christians to pray for Muslims. The challenge is, let's pray for Fatima. Let's pray for Faiza's parents. Let's pray that God meets them. And then they will experience Jesus because we were a witness to them. Because Faye was a witness to them. This morning, we're going to be using PowerPoint because it's the 21st century. A couple of things. <laughs> I have a I have few minutes, but um, this is our website, crescentproject.org. We believe that we have a hope 
worth sharing with Muslims. We have a hope. His name is Jesus. He saves people. He changes lives. And we want to share him with Muslims. We believe that Muslims need to know about our Savior. Uh, these are our websites. We'll be here with you all day. Um, I have a couple of my team members here. I'd love for, uh, for you guys to meet them. Also, we'll be at the Student Center. So welcome to be together. Now, why we do what we do? Because Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. If you come to the Student Center, please pick up one of those bookmarks. We're asking Christians to pray with us every Friday at noon for the salvation of Muslims. We're asking Christians to unite every Friday at noon, asking God to lead Muslims to faith in Jesus. I said that at a training in New York City, and the gentleman in the front said, is that Eastern Standard Time? I said, sir, no, sir, it doesn't matter. If it's 12 o'clock, wherever you are, would you join us in praying? We have more than 16,000 people who have committed to pray with us. Can we get to 16 million Christians who pray with us? So please join us in praying. Now John chapter 10 verse 10 starts, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, that verse made sense to me on September 11. September 11, 2001, I was at a missions committee meeting. I never saw the first plane hit. I saw the second one. Then they said there's a third one. Then they said there's a fourth one. And my mind went back to 1978. When I was junior in high school, I had five friends in class who had a map with their targets to hijack five planes in the morning and five planes in the afternoon. The biggest lie today that September 11 was planned September 10th. Okay, that's not possible. This idea that somehow... Everything will go away. Let's just sing a song. Let's go get Starbucks and it'll all go away. They said if we vote in one way, it will work. Jihad has been on the increase, not on the decrease. The problem is because jihad is taught for 1,400 years. The problem we're in today, it's an ideology. It's an ideology that says that Islam is superior and every other religion is inferior. The ideology that jihad, God loves you when you kill a non-Muslim. How do you fight an ideology? You fight in one another ideology. That's why I love what Jesus says. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. My brother and my sister, today Muslims need us to love them. Muslims need us to share with them the best thing we have. The way you stop any of this um, nonsense that you see in the Muslim world is through Christ. And Jesus gave us the answer that what you are seeing is the result of the devil. So when you watch the news, whether it's CNN or Fox, or whatever you get your news, you're seeing what the devil is doing in the Muslim world. But this morning, for the next 10, 15 minutes, I want to share with you what God is doing among Muslims this morning. But this is why we do what we do. It is not about a club. It's about inviting them to come follow Jesus. Now, I was born in Beirut, Lebanon. I grew up five blocks from the seashore, and I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. I rest my case. No. Um, and in the inset, you see the country of Lebanon. It's not, not a very big country. Lebanon is the size of Connecticut. And there's only three million of us. But we make a lot of noise, so everybody hears about us. My dad is Lebanese and my mom is Syrian. So you can say I've been a hostage all my life until I came to America as an international student. Yes, I came to America as an international student. I was 18 years old. I flew into John F. Kennedy Airport. 
I did not believe how many people are there. Like, how, how can you tell who's American, who's not? Everybody, all races, everybody had different clothes on. I couldn't tell. Uh, I remember my first Thanksgiving, I had pumpkin pie. Yeah, some people were ready for that, right? Oh, every time I meet somebody from Lebanon, I say, have pumpkin pie. I am a witness to the pumpkin pie. <laughs> Acts 1.8, it says, we shall be his witnesses. That's the beauty about our job. Your job, my job, is to witness, to share the good news. But I became a believer in Lebanon. I grew up during the Lebanese war. And just kind of briefly to share with you, many times you read the headlines, it says, you know, there was a car bomb or two car bombs. What is a car bomb? A car bomb usually, it's a Cadillac or a Mercedes or a Fiat. Um, or, or a Ford, some car, they pulled the upholstery, they put dynamite, and then they closed the upholstery, and then they add bags of nails. Because when it explodes, there's more shrapnel. Then they put a timer. The timer could be 7 in the morning, 9 in the morning, 12 noon, 3 in the afternoon, maybe 6 o'clock at night. And then they park the car in front of a university, in front of a high school, in front of a church, in front of a mosque, and maybe in front of a supermarket or somewhere where a lot of people. And so when it explodes, there's shrapnels, there'll be door flying. And then when you pass the next day, there could be a head of a person. Sometimes we're walking, we see a limb of a person. Nobody picked it up. And, and, the, and the mental torture, the mental torture is you'll be walking. One year we had a car bomb a month. A car bomb every four weeks in my neighborhood. And you're walking and you wouldn't know. Is it, is it the Cadillac? Is it the Mercedes? Which one is going to blow? The Ford Pinto? Well, the Pinto, it's okay to explode. But you didn't know which one. And the sad part today is this is a result of sin. We hate each other. And I got so hardened by the Lebanese war. I hated the Jewish people. I hated the Israelis. My mom is Syrian. I had second cousins who fought in the Golan Heights. So I hated the Jewish people. The other people I hated were the Palestinians. My best friend Walid died in a bombing by the PLO on a Saturday morning. He was not even 18 years old. And my heart was so hard. And my solution for the Middle East crisis was to take Israelis and Palestinians to a desert like Arizona. Let him fight there. And whoever wins, give him the piece of land. But that's not the heart of Jesus. And a friend of mine asked me one day, Fouad, if you die tomorrow, where will you go? I said, I don't care. I don't believe in God. He said, but it's too late then. Oops. He's right. My friend was right. The only guarantee on this planet, the only guarantee on this planet, everybody will die. It doesn't matter if you live in Pikes Peak, Colorado, or in Beirut, Lebanon, whether you live in Spain or in Africa, whether you're in Asia or Brazil, everybody will die, and you can't take it with you. That Xbox is staying here. So I decided to become an agnostic. That's a good word. Is there a God? I don't know. Is there heaven? I don't know. But I was like a little boat being tossed by the waves. And I decided if God exists, then God is speaking. And so I read, started reading different religions. And what hit me that Jesus spoke different than any other religious leader. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Oh, that's a good one for Congress. Jesus says, do not love your enemies. 
Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. That's a good one for the Middle East. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd because I lay my life for the sheep. And Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what the master is doing. I call you friends. The Bible is the only book that says you and I are the friends of Jesus. But this information was in the mind. How did it come to the heart? The Bible says we have to worship God with all our mind. That's your logic. That's your intellect. That's your creativity. So when you study, when you create, when you invent, that's the way you worship God. Every time I look at my iPhone, it's a way to praise God. Somebody sat down and created something. Every time you heard the music, the, the, the choir did a great job today. It's the way we are using our mind. We are using our gifting. But then the Bible says we should worship God with all our heart. What does that mean? Heart is where your will is. You don't tell your wife, honey, I love you from all my mind. She say, oh, that's cute. No, I love you from all my heart. You my one and only. So for me, how did the information about Jesus move from the mind to the heart? I knew that Jesus is different. He's special. I heard about the gospel, but it was all in the mind. How did it come to the heart? During the Lebanese war, we have family friends. They had four kids. They're eating dinner, and the youngest was a two-year-old son. While they're eating dinner, a mortar shell, usually this big, looks like the Goodyear blimp, shell came through the balcony, exploded in the middle of the table. The father had picked up the son to wash his hands in the bathroom, but while he's there, the bomb came through the balcony door, killed the wife and three kids, pieces on the wall. The man survived, picked up a plastic bag, picked up pieces and buried his family in one bag. And that was the trigger to move the information from the mind to the heart. The problem in Lebanon was not weapons. Weapons don't kill people. People kill people. We've killed each other with sticks and stones and spears and tanks. And now we have weapons of mass destruction. We've killed each other over religion, territory, skin color, money. The problem is the human heart. The problem was my heart. So I went to my room, I knelt by my bed, and I closed the door, and I said, Lord Jesus, when you came to earth, you healed the sick and raised the dead. Forgive me that I hate Jewish people. Forgive me that I hate Palestinians. The more there is war in Lebanon, I want to be a soldier of peace. The more there is hate in this country, I want to be a soldier of love. And God changed my heart. I started praying for the Jewish people. I started praying for the Palestinians. I started sharing the gospel with my neighbors who were Shia, who were Sunni, who were Druze, who were Alawites, who were Catholic, who were good old evangelicals, who maybe just, you know, go to church but don't know about Jesus. And I grew up five blocks from that seashore. And the church I grew up in had a weekly prayer meeting. That prayed for Menachem Begin, Saddam Hussein, Yasser Arafat, Muammar Gaddafi. We would pray for them at least because when you follow Jesus, you don't see people by race. You don't see people by education. You don't see them by how much money they have, but you see them as God's creation. I mean, yes, God's creation. And they need to know that Christ has come, that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, briefly, a couple of things that we need to set uh, the situation we're in. 
that I feel many times as believers we don't know. The stuff I'm going to share with you, very few believers know this. But Lebanon is in the heart of the 1040 window. If you are born in any of the countries, the chances of you seeing a page of the Bible is zero. Look at the map, 1.5 billion Muslims. Not one, not two, not three. The Bible is banned. It's illegal. It's illegal to have a Bible. It's the 21st century. An American woman invited two Afghan refugees to her house. They came with their hijab, they're sitting, she made some chai tea for them, and she put a DVD called Jesus, the movie of the life of Christ, in Dari. They speak Dari, the language of the Afghans. When the movie was over, the two Afghan ladies were crying. So the American lady said to her, are you crying because Jesus died on the cross? They said, no, we're crying that he rose from the dead and no one told us. No one told us. In Islam, they mention the name Jesus. They say, oh, he's a prophet. They tell him that he was born from a virgin. But that's it. They don't know anything else. They have just a couple of statements. He is mentioned uh, 90 times in the Quran, but he's mentioned by name that he was a prophet. We brought miracles. And then he was taken up. We don't know the end of the story most Muslims today are taught that Jesus was born under a palm tree. No, where was Jesus born? Come on, we know the story, right? In six weeks, we're going to be celebrating something, right? What happens? There was a manger. The shepherds were there. The angels were there. The, the kings, the magi. What did they bring? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Imagine, it's the 21st century, and most Muslims today have never seen a page of the Bible. Pastor here, missions minister here in Indianapolis, Indiana, took the training and a great guy, good friend of mine, he invited his neighbor. His neighbor is a businessman from Turkey and the wife has a master's degree. And while they're eating uh, together, uh, the um, Turkish man said to the pastor, he said, why do you Christians um, eat a bread and fish every Sunday? So the pastor said, no, it's a, uh, it's usually bread and wine. He says, no, you Christians eat bread and fish. And the pastor said, no, it's, you know, it's a special thing we do with bread and the Jews. And the, the Turkish guy said, no, no, I think you Christians eat bread and fish every Sunday. So the pastor said, why do you think we do this? Now, this gentleman is in his 40s. He said, well, when I was 12 years old growing up in Turkey, I went to the city of Istanbul and I went to a Catholic church and there was a painting of Jesus in the church, Jesus holding a basket of bread and a basket of fish. So I thought that's what you do every Sunday. This man thinks it's a fish fry every Sunday for us. <laughs> it's the 21st century. The Bible is illegal. It's banned. Millions of Muslims have never seen a page of the Bible. We were distributing Bibles in southern Spain. We had a book table. As Muslims come, we say, would you like a copy of the Bible? And if they say yes, we give it to them. If they say no, it's all right. But the, uh, one day, it was next to the curb, and the car slows down, and the driver had a bushy beard down to his second button, which means he's devout. He rolls down the window. I say, "Salamu alaikum." He said, wa alaikum salam. He says, sir, we're giving the book of Jesus. Would you like a copy? He looks at me and goes, I am the Imam of Amsterdam. I'm not sure if that's true. Maybe he's a Moroccan who moved up to Amsterdam. But he goes, I'm the Imam of Amsterdam. I said, nice meeting you. He said, have you read the Quran? I said, yes, 16 times. He goes, in Arabic? I said, yeah, in Arabic. Why, do I look French to you? I'm an Arab. 
So he chuckled. He says, I've never, I only read the Quran four times, but I've never read the Bible. Since you read the Quran, I'll take the Bible. Give me the Bible. So I gave him the Bible. He drove off. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm an evangelical minister. I read the Quran 16 times, now 19 times. He's the Imam. Never read the book of Jesus. So when Muslims ask this Imam, this religious leader about Jesus, what does he tell them about Jesus? Nothing. The biggest problem is not accessible. The leaders don't know about our faith. Lastly, the window on what we call America, the window we call the West, the window we call Christians is television. First trip to Morocco. I've been to Morocco four times. I would encourage you guys to go to Morocco. It's a beautiful country. The Moroccan people are very hospitable. So I'm on a train ride, and the guy hears me speak. He goes, are you speak Arabic? I said, yeah. He goes, are you an Arab? I said, yeah, I'm an Arab, but I live in the United States of America. He goes, America? I said, yeah, America. He goes, America is a bad country. I said, America is a bad country? He said, yeah, Americans are uneducated, illiterate, and a bunch of cow herders. I think he meant cowboys. I said to him, sir, have you been to America? He goes, no. I said, where do you get your information? He goes, oh, I watch movies and television. What is he watching, Clint Eastwood? What is he watching? <laughs> so I responded. I said, sir, there are more than 2,000 mosques in America. Each red dot represents a Muslim mosque. I said, there are more than 2,000 mosques in America. He said, Oh, America allows freedom of religion? I said, yes. He goes, well, it's illegal to be a Christian in Morocco. He's right. It's the 21st century. To be a citizen of Morocco, you have to be Muslim. And not only you have to be Muslim, you have to be Muslim Sunni. You cannot be Shia. You cannot be Alawite. You cannot be Druze. To be a citizen of Morocco, you have to be Muslim Sunni. And you cannot be only Muslim Sunni. You have to be Muslim Sunni Maliki. To be a citizen of Morocco in the 21st century. The struggle we're in today is people don't know and they've never been given an option. They've never been given an option. You have to be Sunni, Muslim, Sunni, Maliki to be a citizen of Morocco. It's like saying you have to be Southern Baptist from Georgia to be a citizen of the United States. This is the struggle we're in. Now, when you look at the Muslim world, many times there are common things all Muslims believe. There are five basic things all Muslims must believe. And many times people say in the Middle East, look at your hands. You have five fingers in each hand. So five things you believe, five things you do. See, Allah told you Islam is the true religion. So the five things all Muslims must believe, they must believe in one God. They must believe in the angels. And that includes jinn and demonic activity. But also they must believe in the prophets of God. They believe that God sends prophet. Well, one of them is Jesus. One of them is David. One of them is Moses. The Quran is, even mentions John the Baptist. Hello. Great. He's mentioned in the Quran. Now, it doesn't say what he did. It just mentions his name. So Muslims must believe in God, his angels, and his prophet, then in his books. Islam teaches that God sent the Torah to Moses, then the Psalms to David, then the New Testament to Jesus, and then the Quran to Muhammad. All these books are supposed to be considered holy, and they must follow them. But that's what the Quran says. But the Imams say, no, the first one was corrupted, so God sent the second one. Then the second one was changed, so God sent the third one. So finally, the third one was corrupted, so God sent the Quran to fix the situation. You say, what if the Quran gets corrupted? They say, oh no, God's word cannot be changed. 
um, excuse me, I, I thought if God's word cannot be changed, why uh, these, these books have been changed before? But this is the five basic beliefs of Muslims. Now, what are the bi five basic beliefs of Christians? Oh, maybe there are two. Maybe there's seven. I asked a Christian, what are the five basic beliefs of Christian? He goes, well, it depends. Are you Calvinist? Are you Pentecostal? Oh, 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 okay. Oh, so we have a problem today. The problem is we don't know how to articulate our faith. We meet a Muslim and we don't know. One guy told me, an elder said to me, he came to our training, um, Bridges, and um, um, you're welcome to... Go through it. It's also online. But he said to me, well, I don't want to share the gospel with Muslims because what if they blow up? No, they're not going to blow up. Not every Muslim has, this, has a bomb on his chest. I was in Michigan doing a training, and I saw some Christian students. I said to them, uh, do you have classmates who are Muslim? They said, oh, yeah, we have a lot of Muslim classmates. I said, do you share the gospel with them? They said, no. I said, why not? They said, they will get upset. I said, did you share the gospel with them? They said, no. Well, how do you know they're going to get upset? <laughs> they didn't share with them. How do you know? There is already, I just gave you five things they believe in. All the five, we can start talking about Jesus. One of them, Jesus. Because they say he's a prophet. Well, let's talk about him. In the last 20 years, more Muslims have become believers in Jesus than the previous 14 centuries. Number one reason, somebody talked to them about Jesus, a practicing Christian. Somebody witnessed to them about the faith. So what the reason I'm sharing this with you, there are seven million Muslims here. I was in a, in a state doing training, and this lady says, Fahad, I don't want to go on a mission trip that I have to use my passport. I said, great, come down to Orlando. 100,000 Muslims. 230,000 Muslims in Dallas, Texas. One million Muslims in the state of California. Come with us. We had a team go to Minnesota. 65,000 Somali Muslims. We were sharing the gospel in, in Minnesota. Now, don't come. Uh, all our teams are in the summer. So don't go there in peace, winter. But or some, summer is good to go up to Minnesota. The reason I'm sharing this with you is they are across the street. God wants you to be a witness across the street. Now, finally, just something that is important. The struggle within Islam. Today, the struggle within Islam. Who represents Islam? Al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, or King Abdullah of Jordan, who's a fair king. Who represents Islam? Is jihad something of the past? Well, why don't we take it out of the Quran? Or, or is it to be practiced today? Farid Zakaria of CNN could not answer the question. On ISIS. You know what he said? They're a bunch of losers. Bunch of losers. ISIS has 62,000 fighters. 1,500 of them are from the United Kingdom. People coming down from Sweden, from Norway, from Morocco. Why would somebody leave the Western culture to go fight with ISIS? The problem is an ideology. It is an ideology. It's not going to go away unless we present Christ. But God is using this to bring Muslims to faith because they are interested the Bridges study, a young lady, 16-year-old young lady took the training and she decided to do prayer walking. Don't you love prayer walking? Has anyone done prayer walking? It's amazing. Prayer walking is a no-brainer. You walk and pray. 
So she started praying. She found out that her neighbors are from Egypt. She goes in there having tea, the mom and the daughters with her. They were so happy that an American woman entered their home. And then they said to her, thank you for visiting us. You're a nice American. She said, well, you're welcome. I just, you know, I just wanted to come by and say hi. The lady, the mother said, we've lived in this house for six years. You're the first American to enter our home. Two weeks ago, I was in Houston, Texas, doing our annual conference on sharing the gospel with Muslims in America. We had 29 Muslim background believers, and one of them had lived in America 25 years before she was invited to a Bible study. 25 years. And that was her words to the, to the group there. Please, there are Muslims waiting to build a friendship. There are Muslims who are interested for someone to talk to them about the Lord. Uh, this is the countries our training is in. It's in six languages. Um, and you can download it all on this website. But I want to share you a couple of things. Three reasons why Muslims are coming to faith. One, they meet a practicing Christian. Not a perfect Christian, a practicing Christian. They hear the Bible in their language. Or they have a vision or a dream of Jesus. That's why I started this, this morning by saying, pray for Fatima. She just had a dream of Jesus. But this is our team in London, England. We go and share the gospel with Saudis. Because in the summer, Saudi Arabia gets 110 degrees in the shade. So a lot of Saudis go vacation in London. So we stand in the corner and we ask Saudis if they'd like a copy. So this is our sister coming by. And she's just got her first Bible. In four days, we gave 897 New Testaments, Arabic New Testaments. The biggest lie today is that Muslims are not interested to know about Jesus. They are. But sadly, people are going the other way. Jesus says, you are my witness. You are my light in the darkness. And we look at the darkness. Oh, let's get out of this way. You know, we want to shine the light on the light. No, you shine the light in the darkness. Many Muslims today are asking the questions. Does God love me? Does God care? Is Islam a peaceful religion? Can I know that my sins are forgiven? And that's why I wanted you to see the testimony of this young lady. But God is moving because somebody takes initiative. Somebody takes initiative. Um, Haitham was a Shia. He was on a vacation and he sits on the plane by this minister. This training is in Spanish now. So this Spanish minister had taken, the Latino minister took the training in Spanish. And of, out of everybody in the plane, Haitham... A Shia sits next to the pastor who did the training. Isn't that funny? See, we, we think evangelism is about us. <laughs> we think we're doing it. No, no, God is doing it. Of all the people, he sat next to him. He gave him a Bible. A year later, Haitham becomes a believer. I said, Haitham, why? He said to him, I'm reading the Bible in Arabic. And Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they will see God. In May, I was having dinner with, uh, with Imam Hassan. Imam Hassan was visiting the United States. He was in Nebraska three years ago, and somebody gave him a Bible in Arabic. And he's reading the Bible where Jesus says, Min athmarihim ta'rifunahum. From their fruit, you shall know them. He gets baptized. My brother and my sister, Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, my words will never return void. You are a witness by your life, by your words, but you are a witness when you give them the best thing you have, the Bible. They read it, they download it. Sometimes, you know, you might tell them to download it on their iPhone. 
I was preaching in Kansas City. I'm speaking, and you know, I come out of my shell quickly, you know. I don't stay in there. So I'm preaching, and I look to my left. There are two ladies with all the hijab sitting on the left, like two black blankets sitting on the chair. So when I was done, I came up and said, Salaamu Alaikum. They said, Wa Alaikum Salaam. I said, how long have you been attending this church? They said, for the last year, we've been coming every Sunday. What? Where are they from? They're from Saudi Arabia. Why are you here? Our friends invited us. We like to come here what God is speaking through. Christians. So I said to her, do you have a theological question? Is there something I can help you? She goes, yeah, I have one question. My mom in Saudi would like to read the Bible. How can I get her the Bible? Oh, that's a good question. I said to her, why don't you put the, buy an iPhone, download the Bible app, and send her the iPhone as a gift? She has the Bible app. It's the, the 21st century. Our ministry started something called embassy. Embassy is you get on chat rooms and talk to Muslims about Jesus on a chat room. Hey, what a great idea. One of the rooms that we just joined has 70,000 people. You don't have to go overseas. Just get on the line and share with them. God will use your words. God will use your actions. God will use your, your, um, your love. My friend Muhammad, five years, grew up in Ohio, five years. He goes to the masjid on Friday. On Sunday, he walks down the street and argues with the minister. It was an African-American church. He would go argue with the minister. Five years later, he got baptized. I said to him, why? He said, I could not get over how much they love me. I was mean, but they loved me. God uses you, God uses the Bible, and then God uses visions and dreams. My friend Hussam al-Din did 16 times pilgrimage to Mecca. They're supposed to do it once, he did 16 times. And Jesus appeared to him in his home. And he became a believer. My friend Ali, Ali was in pilgrimage, and Jesus appears to him in a vision, in the tent, and he says to him, you belong to me. Eight weeks ago, I was in New Jersey. After I finished preaching, this couple comes up. Salam alaikum, alaikum salam. The guy starts up. He says, I became a believer three years ago. I'm a Sunni background. And this is my fiance. She's a Sunni Muslim. But she's just seen Jesus twice in the last two weeks in a vision. So I said to her, um, can I help you with anything? Do you have any questions? She said, Fuad, why? Why is Jesus appearing to me? You know, I always ask people who tell me that they saw Jesus in a dream, especially Muslims, how do you know it's Jesus? You're Muslim. Like, you're not a Christian. You're Muslim. How do you know it's Jesus? No, they always tell you, oh, we know it's Jesus, the son of the Virgin Mary. So I said to her, can we open the Bible? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. See, Americans, we stop too quickly. I will come in and do what? And sup with him and he with me. For us in the Middle East, we get that. What Jesus wants to do is have a relationship, have a covenant. He wants to eat with us. It's called the covenant of salt in the Middle East. There's a covenant of blood. We're in blood relation, with covenant of salt. Someone we... Uh, had a meal together. I said to her, Jesus is knocking at your door. Would you like to receive Jesus? She said, yes. She prayed and received Christ with me. God is moving through others. Through his church who is a witness. God is moving through the Bible. And God is moving through visions and dreams. I want to end with this. Because I want to ask you, do you believe that God can use you 
to share the gospel with Muslims? Do you believe that God can use you to win a Muslim to Christ? This is a picture of the Chesapeake Bay Tunnel Bridge. I love America. Check this out. Look at, look at this bridge. Woohoo! Look at that. Look at that. You just, oh, you are driving into the Atlantic and then there's a tunnel. I drove on the other one. I drove on the Chesapeake Bridge by DC. I haven't gotten into this one. But if I stood here and I said to you, I believe that this bridge will hold me and my car. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith, if you believe the bridge can hold you, you will drive on the bridge. If I believe, then standing here and saying I believe means nothing. If I believe, I'll get my car and drive there. And even when I get to the tunnel, go under the water. Biblical faith says if you believe, you will act upon. We're going to pray, but this is my challenge for you. Do you believe God can use you? If he can, join us in prayer. If you believe, prepare yourself. If you believe, take action. Come. If not with Crescent Project, go and tell someone about Christ. Let's pray together. Abba, Father, we thank you that we can call you Abba because of Jesus. We thank you that you sent Christ to be born of the Virgin Mary, to give us great teachings, to die on the cross for redemption and raise from the dead for justification. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that ignites in us a passion for Jesus and a compassion for Muslims. Lord, make us your instruments. Use us to spread the kingdom among Muslims. Father, today you ask us to bless and not to curse. So Lord, we pray that you bless Muslims everywhere. Lord, bless them with the true blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.